That's where we're going. We're starting a, a series today on worship. And, you know, Elizabeth coming up and giving that word, you know, that's so, it, that may be very um, out of the ordinary for you, for her to come up and just to really start speaking over you, to start speaking what she's walking through. And, and I don't know if you could see her, but she was literally shaking. And she doesn't shake over uh, public speaking. She's a great public speaker. But I know when she gets to shaking that the Lord is really flowing through her. And what we need to realize, and I'm kind of getting off track here, but that is the Lord speaking to you. The Lord uses his church to speak. And the Lord was speaking to you. I hope you heard it, that you have hope and you do have stories. And people need to hear those stories and be changed by those stories. That's your testimony. But But the word that I believe she gave is, it's not too late. Don't quit. You hang in there. You get walking with the Lord. The Lord's going to make a way for you now. The Lord's going to make a way for you now. But when we talk about worship, you know, it's really who we are as a church. Church on the Hill, All Good First Baptist. I had somebody call me this morning. I hope you're here this morning, by the way. I didn't ask who you were. I didn't look you up on caller ID. I rarely answer the phone, but when the phone rings before service, I try to answer it because usually people are just wanting to know what time to service start. So I pick up and say, church on the hill, and the person said, what denomination are you? I'm like, man, how do I answer that? So I just said, we're Southern Baptist. Okay, thanks. Bye. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that was positive or negative. What should I have said? Should I have said, we're Southern Baptist, but you know what? We're Southern Baptist, and we're We're not. Why let that define us? It doesn't define us. It doesn't define us in a negative nor a positive way. You know, we are who we are. We're a bunch of people that love the Lord. And really, I hope that we'll get to the point where we don't care who knows it. And we get to the point where we love the Lord so much that you do know it. We show it. But Elizabeth comes up. I thought she was a great picture of what our church is. You know what? When the Lord speaks, we're going to move. We're going to listen. We're going to flow with where that goes, with what he's saying. But, you know, as a, we're a worshiping church. You may be here for the very first time today and say, wow, that worship was not what I was used to. Great. It's fine. You know, we did, we snuck in a hymn in there. We snuck in How Great Is Our God. Hopefully you could relate to that. But, you know, we're loud. We're long. If you've ever been here, sometimes we can have some long worship. You can be standing up a long time when we stand up. We can be unorthodox. Our offering is not probably what you're used to. Why do we bring our offering forward? Because we think it is a time to come to the altar to take what your need is, take what God has provided for you, and to step out in faith and to believe. This is not just me putting money in a bucket. This is me sowing seed. This is me believing, showing God I'm being obedient and I need breakthrough. And here it is. It's not for us to sound our own trumpet. It's not for us to show everybody what we're doing. But it is an act of worship to get up out of our seat and walk forward and say, God, here it is. I love you and I need you. Here it is. We're different, aren't we? We shout. We do. We lift our hands. We clap our hands. 
We cry. Anybody here cry in worship? <laughs> Anybody here laugh in worship? That's right. What else do you do in worship? Anybody run? Heard we had a runner a couple weeks ago. Bring it on. I will be even more undignified than this. You see what I just did? I will do even more than that. Does that bother you? Take it up with God. I'm not worried about you being bothered with me. I'm worried about God being bothered with me. We go to the altar. We sing spontaneous songs as Tammy did this morning. We kneel. We lay flat. We fall out. We do. We're spirit-filled. We believe in the filling of the Holy Spirit. We are a worshiping church. And it's been that way ever since I've come. Ever since I've been coming, since 1997. When I came here, this was a worshiping church. This is not what I have done. This is who, this is who Church on the Hill is. It's what I was attracted to. But what I hope that you see over the next few, year, few weeks, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Sermon on the Mount just about lasted a year. Just about. <laughs> but over the next few weeks, I hope you see it's not the music. It's the presence of God. It's not the music. It's the presence of God. That's what I was attracted to here at All Good First Baptist years and years ago. I was attracted to the presence of God. True worship is not just an emotional experience, even though it can be emotional. It reaches to the very depths of our soul and touches every aspect of our being. And while it can generate these powerful feelings, it also will enlighten our mind. It will expand our perspective, and it will also increase our understanding of God. Worship will lead you. Worship will lead you and convict you of sin, and it will lead us to repent. So many times it can confirm a scripture or a specific word that the Lord may have spoken to you through the week and encourage us to obey that word. It can literally change our hearts and inspire us to new heights of holiness, to new heights of character. Such is the power of the sincere praise and adoration of our Heavenly Father. And that's just a glimpse of what worship is. That's where we start. But I believe the truly miraculous thing about worship is that in some unfathomable way, in some unbelievable, mysterious way, worship has the power to move the heart of God. That what we do down here can move Him. That is an amazing thing. That I, that you can move the heart of God. Let that grasp just for a minute. 
And I think it's, it's possibly impossible for us to touch God without worshiping Him. The psalmist says in Psalm 100, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Verse 4, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. As with prayer, the Lord responds to our worship. As we draw near to Him in worship, in song, He draws near to us. And when we minister to Him in worship, He ministers to us. And as we express His greatness, His worthiness, His glorious, His gloriousness through praise, He blesses us. So to start off today, I want to ask you the question, what is worship? What is worship? And it is very easy to get off track on worship because of how the world uses it. Remember, uh, let me give you a, a quick word about God and Satan. God's the creator. Satan is not a creator. God's the creator. Everything that is on this earth is God's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All Satan can do is take what God has created and pervert it. He can't create it but he can pervert it. Same thing with worship. Satan wanted everyone to worship him. He tried to pervert worship and took a lot of, a lot of angels with him. And the world is trying to take, Satan is trying to take the world with him. And he's trying to do it through worship, through inappropriate worship. So when I ask the question, what is worship, I want, you to, I want you to open up your ears. I want you to hear what the Lord says. If I looked at just a simple definition of worship, worship means to honor or respect someone or something as a God. To honor or respect something. Bless you. To show respect and love for God or for a God, especially by praying or having religious services. Whoops, did I not put love in there? Final, to love or honor something very much. Now what I want you to catch in just a regular secular definition of worship is before every one of these words, honor, respect, um, love, is the word to. Everybody say to. What does that mean? It means it's an action to love, to show respect, to honor. We do something. Worship is a verb. It is an action. It is a movement. But more than that, true worship is an action from your heart. What do you really worship? Where is your heart? Where does your money go? Where does your time go? That's the fruit of your heart. 
That's the definition of where your heart is. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? True worship is an action from the core of your being. And that's why we are going after true worship. But the problem is, so many times, in so many different ways, we complicate things. We get technical. We get philosophical. We get mental. Have you ever had your head get in your way? Especially with God. I don't believe that genuine worship, worship that pleases God the Father, is possible without becoming childlike. Everybody say childlike. When I observe young children, when I observe young worshipers in our church and in my family, the attribute that I see the most, that's most apparent to me, is the absence of self-consciousness. I love it when someone is not worried about people looking at them. Children don't become self-conscious until they realize someone is watching them. And I have noticed in my family that my children and the adults act differently when it's just our family. Dads do things that they would never do in public. Fill in the blank. Moms do things that they would never do in public. Our kids do things that they would never do in public. Have you ever, those of you that have kids will understand this, you know, you're, you know that you're a side of uh, your child that no one else knows. And you know, you wouldn't trade it for anything. It's really who they are. When we sit around the dinner table, we, our family gets to see ourself in the real. It's real. We say what's on our mind. We do what's on our mind. We, we're real with each other. Why? You know, like our children will do things with us that they would not normally do. Why do they do that? Because they're secure. They know that mom and dad will say, oh, that was so cute. That was the cutest thing. It's all I can do not to share stories, but I've got three of my four in here, and I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. I could share stories about myself, but y'all, y'all don't want to hear that, and I don't want to tell it. But <laughs> They're completely secure in who they are when their audience is their family. Why? Because we love them, and we know them. They're not shocking us with who they are. We know who they are. If we could ever get our focus truly on God and what He really thinks about us, how He truly loves us, our worship would change. You know, David, running out in front of the tabernacle, he knew who he was in Christ. He wasn't worried about what the people thought around him. He was genuinely overflowing with joy that the presence of God was coming into his city. And he could not contain it. And he would not, he would not contain it. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. There's childlike, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Colossians 3, 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Men, I want to encourage you. It's hard not to hold yourself together. Last night I had one of, our, one of my worship team members, I'm not going to mention his name, Aaron, and <laughs> he challenged me to the obstacle course. Now, I'm 42 years old. I'm not too old to be able to do that, but I'm not in shape. I, I know who I am. How many of you know who you are and you know... I can't hardly turn this down because, I mean, it is a church event, and I got a church member asking me to do something. I can't turn him down. And he, I mean, he was throwing down. He wound up putting this nasty post on Facebook about how he, how he took me down. It's all right. But prior to that, I went and tackled Pete on the slide, and I busted my nose. I didn't tell Pete I did that, but I hit the slide on my nose. I'm like, man, I thought that was going to feel like a pillow. It didn't. It, and then my nose was bleeding this morning before service. I'm like... Man, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. What am I doing? <laughs> but I decided he's probably going to win. I really don't care. What I do care about is getting in there with him. I want to get in there with him. I want to get in there with you. God, I want to get in there with you. I'm afraid to raise my hands. I'm afraid to clap my hands. I'm afraid to let my guard down. My wife may be looking at me. My kids may be looking at me. The public may be looking at me. Something, once you get breakthrough in worship, you're going to realize nobody's looking at you. Nobody cares. I raised my hands for the first time one time here in this church. I, I think it was here, or at least when I started kind of getting regular with it. And I, I believe I asked Elizabeth or I told somebody I finally raised my hands. You know what? They didn't even know. You didn't know? That was a big milestone in my life. Aren't you watching me and what I'm doing and just thinking I'm just great and I'm just the greatest thing? I'm your husband. I know you just think I'm awesome and I raised my hand. You did? Yeah, I did. Nobody was watching. Why? Because they were focused on God, not me. And we look around and we think what people are thinking. Can I tell you? They're not. They got enough problems of their own. They're needing their own hands in the air. Now listen, I don't care whether you put your hands in the air. I really don't think God cares whether you put your hands in the air. God just cares that when it's time to move, you move. Ask the Lord, Lord, what does my worship look like? And Lord, let me, let me be willing to embarrass myself. You're, you're not going to embarrass yourself. God is going to, God is going to see it. And he's going to be moved. But we get so in the way. The model worshiper for me is David. And I, I can identify with him in so many different ways. And some of the most powerful pictures of his worship come from two extremes. Come from great times in his life of celebration and times of great loss in his life. But David describes his idea of a sacrifice offered to God in 2 Samuel verse 24. It says, then the king said to Aranam, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, with that which costs me nothing. 
This man was willing to give him this land that he was wanting to offer up, to build an altar, to offer up to God for worship. And David said, no, you cannot give it to me. I must pay for this. This must cost me something. My worship costs something. It has to cost something. If it, if it has no worth, it's nothing that I'm, sac- I'm not sacrificing anything. Your worship is a sacrifice. Your worship comes at great cost. And so many times what it costs you is your dignity or your self-respect or something that you cherish, usually in sight of others. Men, we have got to die to ourselves and worship the Lord. Jesus told the Samaritan woman that the Father seeks true worshipers. This statement is very significant when you read what the, the prophet Saul said to, uh, what the prophet Samuel said to King Saul. He said, The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. Who is that? It's David. The key word I want you to catch here, and I don't know that I'd even seen it until this week as I was studying and praying and seeking after God, is this word, after. He is seeking for a man that will get after God. A man after God's own heart. Men, he is seeking for men who will go after him. will go, go toward him, seek him. That's what made David special. He was a man after God's heart. I believe we would find the Father if we would truly worship him. And Jesus says, unless you become like a child, leads me to this word, shoot, What did I do wrong, guys? There we go. Becoming. Everybody say becoming. We should be becoming. We should be changing. Our hearts should be changing. Becoming, bless you, childlike. Becoming childlike. I embarrass my children so much when I get to Walmart and we're out shopping and they think no one's looking and I will just do some of the stupidest stuff. I'll make sounds. And, you know, my younger kids laugh and they'll do it with me. My older kids are like, I'm going over in the other aisle. (laughs) That's okay. I'll I'll yell at you from there. (laughs) But you know what? We can't forget how to be a child especially with the things of God. Men, women, young people, your, your worship should be childlike. It should be childlike. What do your kids do when they get excited? They yell. What do your kids do when they're afraid? They scream. When they see a spider, they yell and scream. Huh? Yeah, we have screamers in our family. That's what your worship should look like. It should be expressive. It should be from your heart. Are you with me, church? 
this becoming process is the same for you and me as it was for King David. Ultimately, what this means is that as I become more mature in my worship, I become more childlike in the presence of God. David told his wife Michael that he would continue to play before the Lord. One translation says play. He's the king, and she was the, she was the king's daughter. And she's sitting there thinking, man, you're not acting like a king. And he's like, oh, you have the picture of your dad. I'm not going to be like your dad. I'm going to be different. And I'm going to worship God. And to be honest with you, Michael, I don't really care what you think about it. That's what David said. I don't care. I'm going to worship the Lord. Husbands, I'm going to worship the Lord. His own sense of identity is insignificant compared to his regard for his creator. I want to be like that. John chapter 4 verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is looking for worshipers. Now, so many times worship is confused with praise, even by people who ought to know better. Worship doesn't mean to lift your hands. I believe that's really a loose definition of praise. And there are 12 different Hebrew and Greek words translated as worship in the Bible. And the Hebrew words, and especially the primary word, shakah, means to depress, to prostrate in homage or royalty to God, to bow down, to crouch, to fall down flat, to humbly beseech, to do reverence, to make stoop. Worship is to act as an inferior before a superior. When I worship God, I am saying through my actions, God, you are better than I am. You are bigger than I am. You are more than I am. We sing the song, our God is an awesome God. But it is obvious we don't get the word awesome. We don't understand it. Because how could we sing our God is an awesome God and say that chocolate ice cream is awesome? I love chocolate ice cream. I love it. My heart oozes chocolate ice cream. We say over our favorite band. We say over our favorite restaurant is awesome. How can we in the same sentence say our God is an awesome God and LTAP is awesome? Because it is. It's awesome. Do you see what I'm saying? God deserves a higher place. I'm not trying to say you can't say things are awesome. I'm trying to tell you to tell God who he is. Learn to identify God and to tell him who he is through your words, through your songs, through your actions. We worship God because he is truly awesome. His presence inspires awe. I don't go into L-type and think, Oh, you know, I eat a bite and I'm like, yeah, man, that is so good. I love that. But it does not bring me to my knees. We might be dramatic and have fun and do stupid stuff at LTAP, but it does not put me on my knees. God. 
puts me on my knees. I don't think there's anything that can but God. He is truly awesome. And when you experience God's awesomeness, it will bring forth a certain response in you, from you, because you see something in someone who is different and higher than you are. And you know instantly and instinctively that you are in the presence of something more worthy of more honor than you are. What is worship? It's the ability to look at God and bow yourself before his will regardless of what disaster you're facing. Whether you realize it or not, your life depends on your ability to say, my God is an awesome God. But not only is worship the response of faith in the face of disaster, but it's also the the response of the blessed, of a time during success. Worship is something you should do all the time, not just when things are going great and going terribly. We should always be worshipers because we have a reason to worship. Zach this morning praying said, even if you didn't do anything else for us, you are worthy of our praise because of what you've done. What he has done is enough. If you're waiting until you get to church to worship, you're missing almost all of your worship time. Jesus gave the greatest commandment this way, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He's not talking about worshiping the Lord at one or two hours a week during church. He was talking about a daily, a weekly thing. David, the greatest worshiper and psalmist among men, said he offered morning and evening sacrifices along with even more time of worship for a minimum of seven times a day. Worship is like breathing. You were created to do it all the time. It's a lifestyle. When everything unimaginable comes at you, worship God. When things finally go your way, worship God. Nothing else will be as creative as worship. Because you're doing more than expressing faith in the sovereign God. You are creating an atmosphere in your own heart and circumstances that enables you and releases faith and enables you to say, my God is in control of this. When you worship the Lord, you are prostrating yourself before God and you are submitting your intellect, your future, and your arrogance to God. You know, so many times you may not understand your circumstances or God's commands, but you need to start saying, Lord God, I have my hands in the air. I've got my face bowed before you, and I'm resisting questions. The enemy is attacking me with all kinds of signals and doubting thoughts, but I am not dealing with any of that. I've got my hands up, my mouth wide open so I can worship and praise you, Lord. I am worshiping you, and I am celebrating that you are an awesome God, and I know that you can control this, and I position myself under your authority, and I worship you. I can't change what's in front of me. You can I give up control. One last thought for today. God never said that you would understand everything about him. 
Scripture doesn't say you shall understand the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. It says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's what I was created to do. We will never be able to totally figure him out because he dwells in unapproachable light. And no mortal can approach him there. He is inscrutable. He is immutable. He discloses himself when and where and how he chooses. And when he doesn't want us to see him, he heightens himself in his glory. Either way, he, he, the only choice he puts before us is to come and worship him. This is where we're going, church. I want to encourage you to let your guard down. I'm sorry if my nose starts bleeding. I've had a real issue this morning. I'm, Elizabeth tells me, keep your hands away from your nose. I have a fetish. But my nose has been bleeding all morning, and I can feel it coming on. Go with me here. Let's go together as a church, and let's learn to worship the Lord. Will you all do that? Will you all stand up with me, and let me pray over you. Father, your word says that you are looking for the worshipers. Lord, I just, um, we just submit ourselves as church on the hill under your authority and under your superiority. And Lord, I, I, am, I am ready to say that we are ready to risk being childlike before you. We're ready to risk what the public may think. We're ready to risk what people may say. Lord, David didn't have on the right clothes. He wasn't acting the right way. He was leaping and dancing with all his might. Leaping and dancing with all his might. He came out in the world's view of being inappropriate. But Lord, you responded, that is a man after my heart. Father, I desire church on the hill to be men and women after your heart. A youth ministry after your heart. Children's ministry after your heart. Lord, we're coming after you. I just ask that Holy Spirit that you would teach us over the next few weeks really what worship is. And how to step into it as a church, but also more so how to step into it individually. In our own walk with you, Lord. That we would learn to worship you at home. In the car. With our directions. With our instructions. With, with our decisions that we need to make. That we would worship you. You are worthy, God, of our worship. We need you so badly, Lord. And Lord, we just turn our hearts to you right now in worship.